The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. If you know anything about Buddhist philosophy, you know that one of its primary principles is detachment. We're going to be talking about that today. We're, supposed to not, we're not supposed to attach ourselves to people, places, things, events, circumstances, or situations. But how do you do that? How do you live your whole life without attaching to things? Isn't that like what life is really all about? Really appreciating and enjoying and being part of these relationships to the accoutrements of living? If so, then what does it mean to detach? And since we've been mentioned the Buddhist philosophy, are there other religious philosophies that would agree with the concept of, at- of detachment? Some say it's the key to living a happy life. So let's discover detachment today together for its truest and most essential meaning. So, okay, in order for us to understand what detachment is, we're going to have to look a little bit at attachment. When we attach to something, what does that mean? Does that mean we own it? Does that mean we, we are run by it or it owns us? Or does that mean that we are, uh, we are just a part of the oneness of all things? Aren't we literally attached to all other things, people, places, events, and circumstances by the, 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 uh, the power of oneness? Well, yes, we are. And therefore, we don't have to attach to things. And that's the paradox. Um, so attachment isn't necessarily that oneness. Attachment is something that we do above and beyond the oneness that isn't necessary, that says, I've got to have that. I need that. I, I must have that in order to breathe. I must have that in order to survive. I must have that in order to feel alive. I must have that. Whatever that is, whether it's a relationship or money or things or clothes or food or housing or whatever it is that we think we have to have, in order to be okay, uh, that is attachment. So attachment is that sense of I've got to, that, that I must have that. I must own that. I must keep that. So we can't f- commonly find ourselves striving after careers that we want or, um, or, or, or money situations that we want or relationships that we want. And we feel like, oh my gosh, if I don't have that, I'm just going to die. You know, how many times have we said that to ourselves in some form or another, that I've just got to have that job, or I've just got to have that relationship, I've just got to have that money, uh, I've got to have that car, that dress, that whatever, you know, we've just got to have it, and we strive after it, and we manipulate to get it, and we lie to ourselves to get it, and we, we try to own other people, and we try to own things, and we try to latch onto these things as if they were our very breath, 
That is what we mean by attachment. And according to Buddha, it is the source of all of our suffering. Um, and, and so detachment, when we think about detachment, there's, there are people out there who say, well, that just means you're just going to coldly detach from everything. You're going you're gonna, to uh, be this cold, uh, robotic kind of person who doesn't really have any feelings for anything. Isn't that what it means to attach? Can you love something and not attach to it? Is it possible to do that? Can we really love something or someone without attaching to them? Now there's a question. Why do we marry people? If, if attachment is not important, why do we get married? Um, why, do we, uh, why do we decide we're going to keep this job forever? Why do we have to have a certain amount of money in the bank? <coughs> Excuse me. Why do we think we have to have these things in order to uh, proceed with a life that we think is an okay life? And so, uh, when, okay, so let's talk about marriage. Marriage means that we're going to attach to someone for life, right? It means that we're going to be that person's partner for the duration of a lifetime. Well, that's what it's meant to mean. <coughs> Excuse me again. But as we can commonly see, that doesn't always work. What we think we, is going to be true when we marry someone sometimes turns out to not be so true. And we look back and we say, well, I made a mistake. I married the wrong person. Well, maybe not. Maybe we married the right person for that time. Or maybe that's all we could understand about life at that time. And so our vision of what was true for us was was limited. And so we, we, uh, we saw the vision of our relationship within that limited sphere of, of development that we had, uh, we had attained up to that time. So... You know, what we think might be true ultimately turns out to not always be true. We imagine a life for ourselves that is uh, filled with certain things, money, people, places, events, circumstances, and we're often shocked, completely shocked when things don't turn out that way. The death of a loved one, an illness, a car accident, a job loss, uh, these are the things that just throw us into a tailspin. We just cannot imagine how that life could have happened to us. That was not the life we had planned. That was not where we were headed. What is going on? And that, when we were in that tailspin, it's because we were attached to that, whatever it was that we lost. Now, am I saying that we should never grieve? Absolutely not. I think uh, grief is a part of the detachment process. And I think detachment is a process. Uh, and we're going to talk some more about that as we go. But the whole idea of attachment is based in th- that notion that we should, uh, we should be attached to things, that that's how we survive. That's a part of the living experience. And, and while I agree, and I would think that the Buddha would agree, and, and very, several other philosophers would agree that... Um, that life is meant for abundance, life is meant for living full and free and alive and, and uh, filled with wonderful loving experiences and warm, warm uh, uh, connections with other people, does that necessarily mean we're attached? Well, that's the question of the day, isn't it? When we, so we should say, well, if I get married to my husband or my wife or my partner, does that mean that I should not be faithful to them if I'm got, not going to attach or that they should not have to be faithful to me. 
I'm not, I don't think that's what it means. I think attachment is an attitude. I think attachment is not about uh, whether or not you're going to be involved with somebody else in your partnership. I think it's about whether or not you have an attitude of possessiveness, an attitude of, I must have this, you know. And if we have that attitude, then we are attached. If we don't have that attitude, that if we have the attitude of, I married this person, I'm in love with this person, and this is the person I want to be with, then that's all we need to know. We can stop right there. We don't have to go any further. That would be a form of detachment. So uh, to understand that, we, we would have to be able to say, I'm not going to future trip. I'm not going to get into the future and worry about, well, what's going to happen 40 years from now? Is my husband or my wife or my partner still going to love me 40 years from now? Well, who knows? If we live in the present, we're less attached to the future. And that's a big part of what Eckhart Tolle is, has put forth in his books about the power of now that, that talk to us about living present in the moment because it is a form of detachment. It is a form of being able to say, I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm in this moment right now, and I'm just not into future tripping. I'm not going to go into the future and worry about what's going to happen tomorrow or the next day or the next day or the next day uh, or the 40 years from now, whether or not my, my partner is going to be faithful for me for a lifetime or I'm going to be faithful to him or her for a lifetime. I'm just going to be present with what is right now, and I'm going to love with all I have right now, and I'm going to experience all there is for me to experience right now, and that is what life is all about. That is what a life of detachment is all about. And that it does reduce, if not eliminate, our suffering. Now, I'm not one of those people who says that we should never suffer. I think suffering is a part of what we're doing here on planet Earth and the duality trance state that we're all living in, uh, where we think that we're separate from the divine. And uh, I think that that suffering brings us closer and closer all the time to an awareness of who we are as divine beings, just in the same way that happy things, ha- happy circumstances bring us closer and closer all the time to uh, an awareness of who we are as divine beings. So uh, I'm, I'm not one of those who believes that we should uh, be headed toward a, a blissful state in which we do not suffer. So the idea, and many people are out there teaching it today, that we can live a life of no suffering if we detach is just another bargain. If I detach, then I will not suffer is a form of attachment. Anytime you put an if together with a then, you've attached to the then. Uh, and that's a big piece of what the law of attraction is all about as well, I should say, that that the, the, as we came to understand it, the law of under, uh, attraction as I understand it is very different from that. But the, the law of attraction as we were taught it back in the 1990s and as it's taught in the secret has us attaching, violently sometimes attaching to, to um, circumstances, relationships, money, power, prestige, all the things that we think we have to have in this life. We want those things, and therefore, if I do my vision board, and if I think positive thoughts, and if I don't allow any negative thoughts, and if I can manage to maintain all positive feelings and never have any negative thoughts, then I will finally have all those things that I want. And we do that work, and we do that work, and we do that work trying to get there, all as a form of attachment. And that is just the opposite 
of what we're being taught by the great spiritual teachers of the world. We're going to talk about exactly what it is that the great spiritual teachers do tell us in the, in the second segment of the show. So you want to be here for that. But uh, so, so what I'm saying is that a lot of the philosophies that are out there regarding good and evil, regarding the law of attraction, regarding um, the nature of a relationship, regarding um, how we should live our lives according to certain morals, uh, those all have to do with attachment. They're all saying, if you live this way, then these things will happen. If you live this way, then you're a good person. If you live that way, then you're a bad person. If you live this way, you'll get the good things you want in life. If you don't, then you won't. If you are uh, a, a kind and loving person, then you will attract kind and loving people to your life. Um, that's a form of attachment because it bargains with the universe. It says, if I do this, the universe will give me that. And that's a trade. That's a bargain. I can take that same bargain to the grocery store and say, if I give you this two thirty nine, will you give me that loaf of bread? It's the same thing. And it's a form of attachment. And it's a form of attachment because it insists that I'm going to do this, therefore I'll have that. Um, and, you know, even morality is a form of attachment. Because what it says is, when you do these things, then you are this way. When you, are, when you operate out of loyalty and kindness and trust and, and, and those kinds of things, then you are a good person. But what we don't know is whether or not a person is actually just behaving out of loyalty and kindness and trust, building trust in other people and all that, or whether they're really genuinely feeling kindness and building trust in relationships and all that. Um, and so, you know, we... we, we, we look at behavior and we say, oh, well, that person is good because he's doing those things, which is a form of attachment. Anything we attach to something else, when I see this, it means that. That's a form of attachment. I, I can't marry you today because I'm worried that in the future we'll have, you know, something go wrong. And so, therefore, I can't marry. That's a form of attachment. When we attach things that don't really belong together, that means we're living in attachment. When we attach things that seem to belong together, we're living in attachment. Anytime we're bargaining with the universe, the law of attraction is a form, as it was taught by, uh, by its original teachers and, and as it's still being taught in the secret, is uh, a form of attachment, which is just the opposite of what our spiritual laws say. And you can read more about that in my book, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. Um, in that book, we talk a lot about what the true law of attraction is, which is we're attracted to all those things, people, events, circumstances, and situations which will bring us ever closer to knowing who we are as divine beings. And that is a process. It, it does not have attachment with it. But the law of attraction does, as we've understood it, According to the secret, it says that if you do these things, then you will have those things. And, uh, and that's a form of attachment. So let's say we get into a relationship or with someone and we, we, we are really in love with that person. And of course, we want to be with that person because we're in love with that person. But that person doesn't love us. And we start being extremely upset because that person doesn't love us. Well, that's a form of attachment. It's, it's a common form of attachment, and it's one we've all experienced at least one time or another in our lives. Not, uh, there's probably not any one of us who hasn't at some point experienced unrequited love. So, so what do we do? Do we say we're bad people when we've attached that way? No, we process through it. 
we walk through it. The process of atta- detachment is very different from what we what, that judgment of self and saying, oh, I've been attached. I shouldn't be that way. I should think differently, which, of course, puts us back into an atta- attachment because attachment says, if I'm different than the way I am right now, then I'll be a good person, which is a form of attachment. So um, detachment is, is just simply living present in the moment as it is and, and being with what comes up as a result of that. That is detachment. That doesn't mean you don't have any sad feelings. Um, these things that people call negative feelings, the sadness, the fear, the sorrow, the, the anxiety, the, the, um, the anger, those feelings that people call negative feelings, those are part of the process of detachment. So w- when we have those feelings, we can be with those feelings and be present with those feelings and take the gift that those feelings have to offer us, and that's not attachment. But there's so many people out there teaching us an if-then kind of principality that tells us that we are supposed to think and be and feel a certain way. And if we do, then good things will come our way, which is, again, like I said, a form of attachment. And I'm not going to teach that. I'm going to talk about detachment from its most central perspective, which is living in the now. And when we come back, I said we were going to talk about what the spirit, the religious philosophies of, our, of the world teach us about detachment. But, um, <clears throat> and then we're going to talk about how one actually walks through the process of detachment. So again, you want to be here for the whole show. You don't want to miss any of this because it, it, this is a really, really, really important concept. Specifically, it's important because there's so many teachers out there teaching just the opposite. There's certainly plenty of teachers teaching, talking about detachment, but then there's this doublespeak that talks about, you know, how to get what you want in life, you know, that you have to go after it and you have to, okay, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with going after what you want um, in life. That's a part of the process too, but being in the moment with the going after instead of being in the future with the having it or not having it is the part that's a, that is detachment. So if we're, I'm in my head going, I've got to have that, I've got to have that, I've got to live into the future, I've got to make the universe give me that, I've got to make people give me that, then we're in attachment. But if we're in a, an attitude of, well, I'm going after that and I'm present with my journey of going after that, then we're not in an attachment, we're in detachment. So we're going to spend some time talking more about how to do that, but we're also going to spend some time talking about, as well, I said, the different religious and spiritual philosophies about detachment. Uh, as we go through this day. So uh, you want to be here for the show, whole show. And that's it for right now. We're going to take a break and we'll be back in just a few minutes. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Spoiler alert, a space of being may cause spontaneous laughter, extra money, ease, joy, magic showing up in your life, and outrageously orgasmic moments. Join Grace Hart live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel, where she combines her psychic abilities and the tools of access consciousness to assist you to create a totally different reality and transform your personal and professional life, including relationships and finance. I wonder what magical possibilities await you at a space of being. We are all searching for a deeper meaning in life. 
the possibility exists to create our life from the perspective of our true divine nature, where the experience of joy, love, abundance, freedom, and peace is our birthright. On the Inner Frontier, host Darlene Green presents a new topic every week with a high-frequency conversation to support a gentle revealing of the divine that is unique to you. Tune in every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel for The Inner Frontier. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back, and the Authentic Living Show is brought to you by the uh, American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you may get a PhD, a doctor of ministry, or in the Holistic Theology program, a Doctor of Theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are Holistic Theology, Holistic Health, Holistic Ministries, Metaphysics, and Parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and peace, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate your own journey to your own authentic spirituality by utilizing as your text-writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what's offered by going to www.aiht.edu. Or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we're talking today about detachment and what it means to detach and what the world's philosophies say uh, what, about detachment and how to detach. So let's look first at some of the earliest philosophies, about, uh, religious philosophies about um, about detachment. In Taoism, Lao Tzu says, manifest plainness, embrace simplicity, reduce selfishness, have few desires. So basically what I see that means is that, that we can live a simple life. We don't have to get all caught up in, uh, in have-tos. We can live 
just uh, in that place of expecting what is, just being with what is, and uh, and and knowing that that is what is. If something else should happen in the future, great. If it doesn't, I'm in the now. That's all I know is I'm in the now. Uh, so being in that place of few desires means that we're not we're not trying to shut those desires out. We're not trying to repress those desires. It simply means that we go with the soul desires, not all of those lusts after the world. We, we're not in compulsion, which says, I must have that, you know, like an alcoholic says, I have to have another drink. That's compulsive. Or a, a person who's living, striving after uh, being, trying to be a really, 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 really good person would be compulsive about doing good deeds for other people. Um, compulsion is a way of, of living that says, I have to do this. Um, so we don't live out of that and call it desire. Uh, we don't live out of self-aggrandizement and call it desire. We live out of soul desires. So when he says reduce selfishness, he's talking about reducing that self-aggrandizement that says um, this, this thing that I get will, uh, will enhance my sense of self. Um, if I become the CEO of a big company, then I'm going to be a big guy and I'm going to have to feel any of that shame from my childhood anymore. Um, I'm going to be out there and people will know me and love me and then I'll be okay again. Um, so that, that self-aggrandizement, that's not a true soul desire either. Um, and, and, you know, these things don't really get us to that peace. Soul desires get us to that peace that says I'm not really having to be attached to anyone or anything. I'm just living in that peace of oneness because I already have everything. The truth about oneness is everything is already mine. Uh, the way it's said in, in uh, one of the old scriptures of the Old Testament or the uh, Jewish Tanakh is the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. You know, that's a beautiful way of looking at that. Everything in the universe is already mine because I'm one with everything else. So I don't really have to attain anything else. It's already mine. So, so what I'm, I'm going to experience in this life is what I'm going to experience. Uh, so that's how Lao Tzu recommended that we live. And, of course, he was the founder of Tao- Taoism, or at least he's even the credit for that. Um, then he says, do your work, then step back. The only path to serenity. So what he's saying there is, don't get attached to your work. Just do the thing that's yours. So, okay, let's say you do really do feel called from your soul to be the CEO of the next company, of this big company. And you're headed in that direction. You're going after that. So you do that work for the day, and then you step back and let it go. If it's going to produce something, then it's yours. If it's not, then it's not yours. And what is yours is going to fulfill you. What's not yours is not going to fulfill you. So what difference does it make? That's how. That's what he's talking about. Again, that's from Lao Tzu, the father of Taoism. Buddha says, the the root of suffering is attachment. So again, what he meant by that is that when we get our lives caught up in "I've got to have that," then we suffer if we don't have it. If we don't have it now and we're headed for it, we're suffering because we don't have it yet. And if we had it and lost it, then we're suffering because we don't have it anymore. So we think that having is more important than being. And being is the only thing there is. And being means we are one with all being. And being is all there is. So that's, that's how Buddha thought of it. And so he says, also says this, he says, Believe nothing, no matter where you read it or who has said it. Not even if I have said it, 
unless it agrees with your own reason and your own common sense. That's what Buddha said. So in other words, we don't have to attach to the scriptures of our religions. We don't have to attach to the philosophies. We don't even have to attach. You don't have to attach to anything I'm saying today. We don't have to attach to what the Buddha said. We don't have to attach to what Lao Tzu said. We don't have to attach to anything. We can just go with what resonates inside of us and be, and what that means is we're, we're living from our soul. We're living from the deepest part of us instead of living from the external accoutrements to life. So the word accoutrement, accoutrements means attachments. It's, it's, it's kind of like um, uh, accessories. You're, you're, you're going to wear a suit to a banquet and you need to accessorize with a tie and uh, cufflinks and, you know, those kinds of things. Or if you're a woman, you might want to wear a scarf or a necklace or a bracelet or certain kind of shoes. These are accessories, and we talk all the time in fashion about, about accessorizing. Well, the accoutrements of life that aren't just the simple essence of beingness are accessories. They're not necessary. They're accessorizing. And that's what uh, the Buddha was talking about. That's what Lao Tzu was talking about when he when he was saying that we could we could live a simple life, so we can live without all those accessories or live with them, whichever. But we're just not really attached to that. Another thing that the Buddha said was, whatever feelings arise, whether pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, abide, contemplating impermanence in those feelings. Contemplate fading away, relinquishment, letting go of all those feelings. Contemplating this, one does not cling to anything in this world. When not clinging, there is no agitation. When not agitated, one personally attains to nirvana. Okay, so what he's really, he's given us a pathway there. We can really be with whatever feelings are up. If it's feelings of anxiety, if it's feelings of fear, if it's feelings of anger, if it's feelings of of, of um, sorrow, or if it's feelings of joy, if it's feelings of great happiness, if it's feelings of attaining or accomplishment, all of those things are impermanent. They're going to come and they're going to go. They gl- come to give us a message and they leave. And if we get the message, then the message adds to our beingness. And that's really all there is, is our beingness. The beingness is who we are. It's the essential essence of who we are. And it is one with all things, all people, all places, all events, all circumstances, universally. And, and, and so we can just be in that beingness and not attach our beingness to the outcome of, the, of our wishes. So I am already completely fulfilled because I'm one with all things. And therefore, I don't have to uh, get myself all in a swivet because I haven't attained to that new car I want or that job or that relationship. I'm already fulfilled because I'm one with all things. In that sense, when we meditate, when we go to that place, we can just uh, contemplate those feelings. We can let them arise. We can let them come up and really look at them. And we might even ask them, what message have you got to give me? And see if we hear the message. And whether we hear the message or not, the feeling will eventually fade away. And then either we have the message or we don't. And if we don't, the feeling will come back another time and we'll ask it again what its message is. And then maybe it'll deliver at that time. So we're in a process there of awakening deeper and deeper to who we are as divine beings. Detachment is also a part of the philosophy and religion of Islam. 
Here's a quote from Abu Hamid al-Ghazi, Ghazali, excuse me. It says, in God there is no sorrow or suffering or affliction. If you want to be free of all affliction and suffering, hold fast to God and turn wholly to Him and to no one else. Indeed, all of your suffering comes from this, that you do not turn towards God. Okay, so the question there would be, who is God? Well, you know, it's different for every person on the planet, regardless of religion. The religions hold forth a certain image of God, but every person in that religion holds their own image of God based in their own, what Carl Jung would have called Imago Dei, the image of God, the image of the divine, so that each person has their own kind of what that looks like, what that feels like, what that, uh, how that responds to them, how they interact with that. It's all very individual. And so what that means is if you are turn to your own soul, toward your own Imago Dei, which Carl Jung equated with the soul, then you are, then you are living in that soul, and that's, that's the beingness. That's that being that is one with all things, that is already fulfilled because it is one with all things, all people, all events, and all circumstances, so that we can hold fast to that, and everything, nothing else matters, really. It doesn't matter as much, anyway. So that was, uh, that was an Islam, uh, Islamic idea on detachment. Another one from Ali bin Abi Thalib. Detachment from this world is not that you should own nothing, but that nothing should own you. I really like that because it really says the whole story. From, uh, again, from Islam, it, it, it basically is saying we can let go of, of, of the world in a sense that it can't own us. It, it doesn't mean that we don't appreciate the world, that we're not involved with the world, that we're not in love with the world, that we don't also experience great sorrow as a part of the world. It doesn't mean all of that. It does mean that it doesn't own us. We, we can walk, be present with the feelings that arise in a given moment, and they will again fade in the next moment. So we're, we're, we're in the now so that we're not owned by these things. We're present with them, but we're not owned by them. Okay, so that's, again, from Islam. The more you let go, the higher you rise. From Yasmin Yogahed, Mogahed. And, and basically what he's saying is that we, we sort of uh, ascend into the deepest part of our souls by, by not attaching to all the accessories, as I said, the accoutrements of living, rather than the life itself. Life itself is who we are. We are that life. And, and that beingness is us. And, and so we, if we live in that, again, we are already fulfilled. One of the things that Carl Jung said that I really love is, but if you have nothing at all to create, then perhaps you create yourself. But he also said, people will do anything, no matter how absurd, to avoid facing their own souls. And the reason for that is because of duality. We believe that we're separate from the divine. Therefore, we have to have these things, this money, this time, this energy, this job, this relationship, this car, this, these clothes, this house, this you know, place, whatever. Uh, I know people who live miserable lives because they're not living in the place they think they should be living in. 
you know, they want to be living in place X and they're living in place Y and they just are so miserable because they just can't quite let go of place X. And yet, here they are in place Y where there's a lot of really wonderful things going on, but they don't notice it because they're so busy with grieving over place X. They just can't seem to get back there. And they call that place X home. But it's not really home. Home is inside of them. So, you know, and and so they hold on to that and hold on to that. And we do that. Like, as Carl Jung said, we'll do anything, no matter how absurd, to avoid facing our own souls. Our own souls, it, that's all there is. That's all there is. That's all that matters. That's all there is. There is nothing else of any consequence whatsoever. And yet we think that the only thing that matters is this person, this place, this event, the circumstances, this job, this car. Those are the things that matter. We have to have those. Why do we think that? Because of duality. Because we don't really believe that we're one with the divine. There's also some um, ideas in Christianity about um, about detachment. I'm going to read this scripture from what's usually called uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They, they do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single cubit to life's span? And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Do not be anxious then, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? With what shall we clothe ourselves? For all these things the Gentiles eagerly seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that is exactly the same philosophy that is put forth in Islam about detachment in uh, Taoism by, about detachment, in Buddhism about detachment. Um, so, so, you know, we could go on with these, these statements from different religions, but the idea is that detachment is a part of every one of them. It's a part of the core essential ingredient to peace for every religion on the planet that basically is saying, live in the now, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let tomorrow take care of itself. Today is all we've got. In other words, now is all we've got. Be present in the now. Be present with what's present in the now. Be really present with what's present in the now. And now you're really, really fully alive. What more is there? There's not much more than that to attach to if we really think about it. But because we believe we're not we, we can't be present in the now because that's too scary for us. We also believe that we can't be present with the divine, so therefore we want to, we want to uh, escape any of that uh, presence and just go after the things, people, places, events, and circumstances that we think will make us happy, will make us feel okay, will make us feel peaceful. And those things are what we pursue instead of uh, 
just being present with the oneness that is. And that's what, what I think Jesus means when he says, for all these things, the Gentiles eagerly seek. Gentiles is not necessarily just anybody who's not Jewish, but basically anyone who doesn't understand the oneness that we all are. So we're going to come back and talk about this some more over the next segment. We're going to talk about how a person actually does detach. So you want to be here for that. Be right back. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Sometimes in the busyness of daily living, we can forget who we truly are as spiritual beings with intent and purpose fueling our goals and dreams. Remembering begins with navigating belief structures, family or cultural expectations and history so we can find our way. Listen in to Timeshare with host Marie Jackson. Marie and her regular contributors discuss life's questions, challenges, obstacles, and rewards, all bringing us to the spirit of who we are. Timeshare with Marie Jackson can be heard live every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave. Why spiritual spelunking? Why tending to our inner garden? Why devoting time to inner being when so much external doing calls upon us? An Indian sage put it wisely, your own self-realization is the greatest service you can render the world. Join host Jeel Asselin as he serves as both guide and companion on the journey within. Nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us can be heard every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back. We're talking today about detachment, what it means to detach, uh, what the great religions of the world say about detachment, and uh, how we can detach. So I said in this segment we would talk about how we can detach. And in the first segment we talked about what attachment is and what detachment is. And what we have said is that attachment is that attitude that says, I must have this. Detachment is an attitude of living in the now in which we stay with what is, we really become very present with what is, and we, and we, uh, you know, one of the exercises that Thich Nhat Hanh has is he teaches people how to walk and really feel the heel and then the arch and then the 
toe pads and then the toes landing on the ground so that you feel every second of that so that you're really present with that and that teaches people to really just get in touch with uh, just the sensations of the body that are happening in the right now instead of walking but having our heads somewhere else we're really present with what's going on right now and that's just one exercise we can also be present with the emotions that arise now I want to say there's a lot of teachers out there teaching us that there are some emotions we should not be experiencing and that teaches us and and the reason we should not be experiencing them is because if we experience them then we will not attract the things we want in life so we if we have any negative thoughts or what they call negative thoughts or what they call negative feelings then that's going to mean that the universe is going to send us negative things and so so that's a form of attachment as i said in the first segment the form of attachment that says if you do these things then these things will will attach themselves to you and uh and so, therefore, we have to be on uh, about the business of making sure we don't have any negative thoughts and making sure we don't have any negative feelings. And that is, a, is one of the worst forms of attachment I've ever heard of, frankly, uh, that actually is teaching us to stay very much attached to what's going to happen in the future if I don't do this now today. So it keeps us out of touch with the present instead of being in touch with the present. And it teaches us to not experience our feelings. So there is no such thing. I want to just be clear. There is no such thing as a negative feeling. There's no such thing as a positive feeling. All feelings are just feelings. They're just emotions. They come to give us a message and then they leave. That's that. And uh, until we get the message, they're going to hang around. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes they come and then they go and then they come and then they go and they come and they go. And then finally we go, oh, that's what that feeling's trying to tell me. And then they go and they don't need to come back once we really get the message. Um, or sometimes sorrow. When sorrow comes as a grief experience, it comes and it lasts for a couple of hours and then we feel a little better. And then the next day we have a good day and then the next day it's really hard again. And that's how that goes. It's sort of a roller coaster ride. But, but eventually what's happening is things are, we, because we're having these cathartic experiences of letting go, we are becoming different. We are transforming internally as just a result of feeling those feelings of sorrow. And uh, so when we say to ourselves, we should not have those feelings, we're forbidding ourselves to transform. We are actually forbidding transformation. And we are also learning how to repress um, so it, that is not the pathway that I recommend today, and I want to be very clear about that. But how do we detach? Detachment is not saying, I won't attach, because the minute we say, I won't attach, because that will make me peaceful, we're in attachment. <laughs> because uh, if I do this, then I'll have that. Uh, anytime I'm doing something in order to just have that, um, I'm attached. Uh, but if I can just be present with, so it's not saying no to attachment, it's saying yes to detachment. It's saying yes to the now. It's saying yes to, I'm going to be present with this moment. I'm going to be living in this moment. When I meditate, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the practices of meditation that most people know about is not, is to just be present with what comes up. It's called mindfulness. Um, or vipassana med- meditation, and it's it's uh, it it has to do with being just being present with what comes up inside of you, 
and uh, being present with the sounds in the room, being present with the with with uh, how the air feels around you, being present with the bodily sensations that occur while you're meditating, being present with the emotions that arise, being present with the thoughts that arise. That's that's a form of meditation, and if we carry that into our daily lives. What that means is I'm experiencing what's happening right now in my moment, that I can be present with what is in the room with me. I can be present with what goes on inside of me as a, as a response to what's in the room with me or just as what goes on inside of me. I'm still present with my own bodily sensations. In so doing, we are so much wiser about life. So if I'm really tuned in to my emotions uh, and somebody walks in the room who I feel a sense of fear about, then I can be present with that fear and factor that into my interaction with this person. How deeply am I willing to interact with a person I'm afraid of? That's a good question, isn't it? And, and so it really does keep us in touch with making wise choices about life. Um, Gavin De Becker wrote a wonderful little book back in 1997 called The Gift of Fear. And uh, in that book, he talks about how we can protect ourselves from violence by paying attention to our fears. And so, you know, when we say to ourselves, I shouldn't have any fear because that means I'm weak. or I shouldn't have any fear because that means I won't attract the things that I want in my life because of the law of attraction says I shouldn't have fear. Well, then, you know, I'm going to I'm not I'm going to miss that fear that could protect me. Uh, so uh, what comes up inside me is important. And it's it's. Uh, it's a part of my life experience and I'm negating it, telling myself, well, if I have that feeling now, then I won't have that other thing I want in the future. There's no greater form of attachment again. So uh, so what we need to do is allow that fear to be present. We're present with it. We're, we're allowing it to not only be come up, but fully present its fullest array of uh, bodily sensations and emotional sensations and observatory things that we might discern through just paying attention to what's going on in that interaction with that person who just came in the room. All of those things work together to help us really be alive in the moment. Intuition is something we don't feel unless we're alive in the moment. And so being alive in the moment not only uh, can be a very wise stance, but it's a stance of detachment. It's one that says, I'm here now. I'm fully here now. I'm fully present with here and now. And I'm alive, fully alive to here and now. It makes us aware of the oneness that is, uh, uh, that is who we are. We are uh, a constituent uh, elemental part of the oneness. We're a molecule in the ocean of the oneness. Uh, and so we are rolling with the ocean we are quiet with the depths of the ocean we are we are pulled by the t- the moon and its tides in the ocean we are experiencing the collective uh and we are experiencing the individual all at the same time in our in our oneness with all things all people all places all events all circumstances you know our very breath is is breathed in from the from what other people have breathed out and you know we're we're all experiencing this this oneness, uh, but we haven't been taught that 
We've been taught to believe that we're separate from the divine, and there are many philosophies out there that on the one hand teach us that we're one with everything, and on the other hand teach us that we were born into original sin and therefore separate from the divine. So those, you know, that's a double speak that gets us really confused. And uh, so we can speak the speak of oneness, but we don't walk the walk of oneness. And, and, and we don't understand that oneness is our very essence. It is our mind. It is our heart. It is our breath. It is our thoughts. It is our emotions. Everything in us is a part of that oneness. So we have nothing to fear. No, there's no thought that we have that we should be afraid of. There's no emotion that we have that we should suspend in fear that it might cause great terrible things to happen to us. Um, there's no emotion that's in us that we should fear because we think it's too painful or too overwhelming for us to feel because it wouldn't be our emotion if it wasn't there to feel. You know, we, you, we, we come here fully equipped with all we need to function in this life. And emotions are part of that. And when we say, I should suspend my emotions in favor of bliss, or I should suspend my emotions in favor of attracting something I want in the future, then we're not living in the present now. We're not alive now. We're deadening ourselves to now in order to have something in the future or in order to be afraid of some big feeling that might overwhelm us. We are divine beings. How can... How can a, a, just an emotion, an te- impermanent emotion, overwhelm us? It can't. We just have that fear that it will. And the reason we have that fear is because we have been taught to believe that our emotions are, are difficult. They're, not, they're things that we shouldn't really be feeling. People who have a lot of emotions are weak. People who have a lot of emotions are not really strong. In fact, the strongest people I know are the people who know how to feel their emotions. Because... You know, in this world, it takes some bravery to feel one's emotions. So, so one of the things that Carl Jung says, is one of my favorite quotes from Carl Jung, is this. To the patient, it is none, nothing less than a revelation when from the hidden depths of the psyche, something arises to confront him, something strange that is not the eye and is therefore beyond the reach of personal caprice. He has gained access to the sources of psychic life, and this marks the beginning of the cure. So it is in finding, Islam said, if we just hold fast to God, then we would have the peace that is God. And, uh, and that's kind of what Carl Jung is saying. He's not using that same language, but he's saying that, that there comes a time when we, when, when in being present with ourselves, we encounter something bigger than anything we've ever imagined in, inside our own small, puny little identities, uh, we we find something that is the soul. What Carl Jung would call the soul, he would call it numinous, meaning that is it's frightening and it's big and it's uh, it's spiritual and it's has depth and it it reaches to the soul and it's it's empowering. And so um, he he says that we do at times encounter this something, this something strange that is not the I. And by I, I mean the letter I, the I am, the person that we think we are, not the I, E-Y-E. Um, and, and so we encounter that, and, and we can encounter that when we are present in the moment. When we are not present in the moment, we have a much greater chance of missing that when it comes up. And that's a tragedy to me. That's a tragedy. When, when my mind has opened a small pathway 
to the soul. And I am so uh, uh, attached to the future or to my fear of feeling my feelings that I miss that. What a tragedy that is because that encounter, according to Carl Jung, makes me gain access to the source of my psychic life. Not just to my psychic life, but to the source of my psychic life. And it marks the beginning of the cure of all that is wrong with me. So, you know, we don't want to miss that. So when we're present with uh, being, being alive in this moment, we have that chance of encountering that something strange that is not the eye. And that's why I would strongly encourage us to really work on that being present. That doesn't mean it's not going to be a process. We're not, we are going to slip into the future. We are going to slip into the past. We are not going to be able to maintain that all the time. It's okay because that also is something we can be present with. Oh, I'm going to be present with the fact that I just slipped into the future. So I'm going to just let myself be on this little future trip for a minute. We'll see what this, ha- this ha- has to give me. And then I'm going to come back and and be a part of the present again. So it it really does allow us to be wherever we are and trust that this process is going to carry us somewhere. And where it's going to carry us is to that something strange that is not the eye, that is beyond personal caprice, that we can't control it. It's a mystery. It helps us lean into that mystery. And then we gain access to the source of psychic life, and we begin to heal ourselves. So that's what we have for today. We're going to be back again next week. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.